Hey, trivia fans! Looking for an exciting and unforgettable way to add some fun and friendly competition to your events or team-building sessions? Last Call Trivia has you covered. Our unique web-based app allows players to participate individually or as a team, making it easier than ever to bring people together, spark curiosity, create connections, and make lasting memories. Host your own trivia anytime with our new subscription and experience the best in interactive entertainment. Even remote attendees can play along. Check out lastcalltrivia.com forward slash shop for more information. Welcome to the Last Call Trivia Podcast. I'm your trivia host, James, and I'm so happy to have all of our listeners join in on our trivia team today. Our favorite part of Trivia Night is the discussion that the questions spark and the connections those conversations create. That's why our trivia players will be showing their work and talking through the thought process behind each of their answers as we go. So speaking of our trivia players, I'm joined today, as always, by the Last Call Trivia team of DJ, Kelly, and Omen. So we're in the swing of fall season here, guys. I got to check in with you and see how that's treating you. Um, up in the Pacific Northwest, I know DJ, unlike me, since my Giants are just absolutely awful, he's excited for football season. So I, can I assume you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, DJ? Oh, you opened a can of worms, my friend. I'm a lifelong New England Patriots fan, wow. and lots of people around here are sticky about it. Drew Bledsoe was my entree to the NFL, oh, and I've yeah. been a fan of his my entire life. Right. Uh, but I became a, a fan of the team. So when Bledsoe left for uh, the, the Bills and the Cowboys um, after Tom Brady came in um, behind his injury, I, uh, I remained a fan of the Patriots, and I remain a fan today. So now is that, it's interesting. Is that because Bledsoe played for Wazoo? Is that, is that where that That's, came from? That's correct. He he was drafted number one overall in 94. And that was the year I started watching football uh, in, in earnest with my grandfather, who loved Bledsoe and um, was a huge fan of his. So very cool. Um, we we watched Patriot games together and uh, been a fan ever since. And of course, that injury to Bledsoe led to the career for Tom Brady, which is a football player that even Kelly knows. Uh, so, you know, Kelly uh, Wait, who? Tom Brady. Uh, I was joking. Oh. Well, I wasn't really sure. I was like, I'm pretty sure, but I'm not sure. I know he's married to Giselle. See, there you I'm go. And he's, with from, it. he's from your state. Is he? Yeah, Wait, he's a Maryland? native Californian. Oh, I thought you meant like my home your state. Current, Everybody's your current in... state. Your current state. Okay. So, Kelly, you're there's, excited. There's 50 million people in California. I don't claim to know them all. Well, uh, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, I'm sure you know plenty of them, but maybe not 55 million. Uh, so what about uh, fall season uh, over there in California? Kelly, are you excited about anything in particular? How about, you know, like pumpkin spice latte or something like that? No, no. See, you got it wrong, James. It's not pumpkin spice latte. It's pumpkins, oh, pumpkins. in their entirety. Whole pumpkins. I love pumpkins, and I have just started procuring pumpkins for my fall display. Even though California has no seasons, I like to pretend. Yeah. Do you guys want to guess how many pumpkins I've bought so far? Seven. <laughs> thirteen. Okay, Omen said seven. DJ uh, said thirteen. James? No, uh, I said thirteen. Uh, one of the two. Oh, I sorry. Said, I said seven. Okay, Omen? I'm going to guess 20. Okay, well, if we're going by prices Right rules, DJ is smack on. I have 14 pumpkins, and it's not even October. We're just beginning. I'm so excited. Wow. Well, you know, look, it's, uh, it's easy to 
uh, see that you are excited for the true spirit of fall season. And Omen, actually, uh, I understand you kind of took part in a very seasonal activity recently, maybe a little pumpkin patch, a little corn maze. With the lady friends, yeah, with the lady wife, I should pumpkins. say. Pumpkins. You know, I grew up in upstate New York where where a lot of agricultural products are actually um, grown. And so, you know, I'm used to going to the pumpkin patch and going to the apple orchard, picking some apples and really getting into the spirit of agriculturalism. So my wife was like, let's go to a pumpkin patch here in Florida. And I was like, of course, that sounds lovely. They didn't have any pumpkins that were grown on this farm, they had clearly gone to the supermarket and bought a bunch of pumpkins <laughs> and put them in a pile. I knew in this is where this was going. <laughs> and I was like, "This, this is really funny." It was, it was just, it was a pumpkin display of pumpkins that probably came from New York State in Florida. The thing that I did really appreciate, though, is they did have a pretty decent corn maze. And my favorite thing was they had a fifty-gallon metal tank filled with dried corn kernels that children could get into. And do what? Roll around in. So roll around, throw It's like corn. a ball pit, but corn. Like a ball pit? Yeah, yeah I was going to say. corn pit, yeah, exactly. Wow. Hey. It was the most delightfully I mean, unhygienic thing that, I've seen I was going to say, that's the worst use of corn I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yes, who wants children to have fun? What a, what who a wants terrible children concept. to taint the corn? I mean, who, this is horrible. Who wants children anyway? Well, the hey, children I, of the there, corn. there's a statement I can get behind. Yeah, it right. was, it was the children of the corn. The, the children it was, of no, the corn. No, it was the children in the corn. The children in the corn, that's true. Better. Some of the corn was in the children. Oh, that's probably true. Um, hey, look, uh, as we move from fall season into our game today, uh, it's today's podcast that we'll be using to challenge the Last Call Trivia team with questions that previously appeared in Last Call Trivia shows in bars and restaurants around the country. So our podcast show has two rounds of trivia, three questions per round, and there's also one bonus question in between the two rounds, and then a final question to close out the game. Before we dive in, a quick reminder, if you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to like like, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. And if you'd like to learn more about all of Last Call Trivia's products and services, visit lastcalltrivia.com for more ways to get your trivia fix. All right, let's start off with round number one. I'll read each question aloud for DJ Kelly and Omen, and then they'll have three minutes to discuss and decide on an answer. In addition to their answer, they also need to choose a point wager, and the point wagers in round one are one, three, or six. They can use those wagers in any order, but they can only use each wager once per round. So basically, they want to save the higher wage totals for wager totals for answers that they really feel confident in. And the categories for round number one are people, music, and alcohol. So <sighs> Persnickety Kelly might not be so good with the alcohol <laughs> question, but, you know, we'll get there. So let's start off with round number one, question number one, people, team what famous California mountain man was actor Dan Haggerty famous for portraying in film and TV? Three minutes on the clock here. The question, what famous California mountain man was actor Dan Haggerty famous for portraying in film and TV? Wow. I can There's... picture him. What's he look like, Kelly? Paint us a picture. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, he's a large, <laughs> burly man with a beard, and I think a, a bear. Is he? Is this the source of that nodding mountain man uh, gif that is so popular on the internet? It's like a, a grudging respect. Right. So it's like the camera slowly zooming in, and the mountain man smiles at the camera and gives a very slight nod. 
Is, I've is never seen I, this, but let's go I know, with it. I know the meme you're talking about, but I think that's um, I think that's uh, one of the modern Ga- Gaflinaclis actors, and and I don't know that it's Dan Haggerty, but I'm not sure. Okay, uh, does the name of this of this famous famous Californian mountain man um, contain the word grizzly? Yes, I think grizzly. so. Grizzly Joe. I don't yeah. think it's I grizzly. It was grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams. Okay. <laughs> Is, is, Maybe it's Grizzly Joe Adams. <laughs> Joe is his middle his whole name. Yeah, his that's, friends called him Joe. His, his friends called him Joe. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I have heard the name Grizzly Adams, but I have no idea what those syllables mean. Well, wasn't there a, a TV show? Person? Oh, I thought there was a TV show in the seventies. Or am I thinking of BJ and the Bear? No, I, I think there's a TV show in the seventies where he's like, you know, in the. You know, I had that kind of like frontier spirit, and I'm out in the woods and I'm doing my thing. And it was, it was the, that like the proto Little House on the Prairie era, right? Like that was that was a big thing. You had you had all the Western theme stuff. You had Gunsmoke, and you had uh, Gunsmoke. You, but you I had, can't uh, really think of what like the hook was for this. Like I don't know what differentiated the show. Like obviously, the Waltons is very different than Little House on the Prairie. Um, it, it was. It sounds like you know, like man against the world. He has the heart of a bear. This isn't a Jack I'm gonna London with, story. <laughs> I'm going to go with Grizzly Adams because that's the yeah. only thing that I can think of. And yeah, last I, call. the fact that you last call now. Yeah. What do we want to wager on it? One point. Let's yeah, not, not take so any major. Sh- I'm not, I'm not so taking sure a flyer on this. Let's let's not let's not sell the bear skin before we've shot the bear. Yeah. As let, they let's say. save our big wager for the alcohol question, guys. <laughs> oh, I always do, Kelly. Yes. All right. So, uh, James, let's go. Let's go. One point on Grizzly. Heart of a Bear Adams. All right, so the question under the category people, what famous California mountain man was actor Dan Haggerty famous for portraying in film and TV? You guys say for one point, Grizzly Adams. The answer, Grizzly Adams. Yay! John John Grizzly Adams. John Um, Joe Grizzly Adams. Just just John John (laughs) Grizzly Adams. And and actually, it's interesting that you guys mentioned that gif, the slow nod, the begrudging respect, the slow nod that you see on social media. That's actually Robert Redford in the movie Jeremiah Johnson, which came out in 1972. And uh, it's also interesting to note that since you know, Kelly's out there in California, that the California state flag, the bear on the California state flag was modeled after, you know, drawings and etchings made from some of the bears that John Grizzly Adams captured and trained. Whoa. Wait, no way. Yeah, he was a guy who would like trap bears for like zoos and menageries and stuff like that. I don't know that I buy that because hasn't, (laughs) hasn't the California flag been around for longer than... Well, I'm, I'm honestly not knowing when the real Grizzly Adams lived, so maybe well, I'm... It's, it's possible. it's possible that the flag, you know, people were living in what is now the state of California for, for well, John, long... Well, John Grizzly Adams lived from 1812 to 1860, and I believe that oh, Bear Revolution okay. was in, like, the 1880s, okay, right, sorry. or something like that? I was thinking it was later because I'm picturing the TV show, so I, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't going back in time far enough. That's fantastic. No, it's okay. It's no all right. Idea. You're being a little persnickety, and that's all right. We're used to that, so... <laughs> Is that is that the theme of today that I'm persnickety? I so, so I can just I can just carry on as is, That's and it'll the be theme fine. Persnickety day, pumpkins. That's what we should call this particular episode: is persnickety pumpkins. I think. As long as that's not what you're calling me, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Come on, let's not. not I wouldn't even imagine such a thing. Or let's just move on. No, to Kelly, we just think two. of you as as eating lemons. That's that's yes. just the mental perception. So. What have I done this morning? <laughs> oh my goodness, James. Do we have a second question? You know, we do. As a matter of fact. 
Kelly, I'm glad you would ask that. The category is music. The question, most collectors claim that Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits compilation in 1988 was the final commercially released album on what obsolete music format? Three minutes, I should say, on the clock here for you guys. But most collectors claim that Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits compilation in 1988 was the final commercially released album on what obsolete music format? Well, I have a guess based on my own personal loves and purchases sitting out in my yard, but I'll, I'll let you guys see if you agree. Wait, sorry, you keep your music purchases in your yard? <laughs> My car is in my yard, and that is where the purchase is. And while I don't have the Fleetwood Mac aforementioned album, I do have ELO and the Carpenters all all queued up on this particular format. I mean, just based off of the date, regardless if it was Fleetwood Mac or ELO and the Carpenters, um, I it seem it seems like obviously it's not going to be vinyl because that's not obsolete. And, you know, vinyl has took a dip, but has never really stopped being. It's produced. never been obsolete. It's never been obsolete. It's it's the original. And, you know, I was born close to 88. And I, you know, at that era, we, of course, had cassette tapes, which I actually miss. I, I love cassette tapes. I think they're wonderful. So it's got to be in between those. And there's really only one format that I can think of. And it's the best format. Two. You better be leading into the a statement that this is the best format <laughs> for I, I, Americana. I, I agree with Omen on on missing uh, ca- cassettes. I think that people gave up on singles. The uh, the single song on a cassette. Way oh, too, I remember those way too early. Singles that that was the 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 hit man. And you know you could take those to school and trade them at at lunch. It was great. Sure. Single era. When I was that was that was currency. Well, man. I feel like I've missed out on some great aspect of American youth that I never. I, I'm not not only have I never done it, I've never heard of trading a single. Yeah, big big times, big fun. I when I was a, when I was a teenager, I I had my mom's 1991 Toyota Corolla, which had a cassette deck in it, and I would play these these albums. And some of the tracks would get warbly because you'd play them too much, and the warble became part of the experience. Absolutely, but. There is nothing like the experience of driving down the open highway in America with your top down, and by that I mean the car, not your shirt, and listening to an eight-track tape. I will tell you there is nothing like it, and that is why I had an eight-track player installed in my Saab, which I believe you learned about last week. Last call. So it sounds like what we're uh, skirting around is the eight-track. Not to be confused with eight-mile or eight-ball. Very important. Well, neither of those. If I had one wish for today's episode, it's that it would bring back the 8-track to America. I, I think that it is that the answer to the question is the 8-track. I don't know that the answer to the questions of life is the 8-track, um, but, but I, I feel The answer to happiness yeah. is the 8-track. I feel confident wagering six points on the 8-track in this circumstance. Nice. Absolutely. All right. All right. Okay, so the category music. Most collectors claim that Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits compilation in 1988 was the final commercially released album on what obsolete music format you guys say the 8-track and the answer... Eight track, cha-ching. Based I've never on actually. Your phrasing of the question does that mean that we're blaming Fleetwood Mac for the demise of America's greatest musical format? It's probably not the worst place to place blame if you're <laughs> being honest. Yeah, I, I think uh, Stevie Nicks has a lot of uh, blame to be had in uh, the demise of the eight track. Probably true. You know something, Kelly? If you don't like that, you can just go your own way. Ooh. <laughs> I like that, Kelly. I'm okay, gonna. I have I'm to gonna, give you credit I'm gonna for have that to one. Dis- 
I'm going to have to disappoint you, you know, as per usual, uh, and tell you I've never actually listened to any music on an eight-track tape. I've never. I don't even feel confident that I know what an eight-track looks if like. If you so. think, well, I can I can show you some right now. It looks if like a video game cartridge from the 1980s. It, does. it looks like the old Atari cartridge. If you think that that warping sound from Casingles is like, you know, the, does that get your heart racing? The like kaplunk when the eight-track like Ooh, moves to okay. its next track and it's still in the middle of a song. That is epic. Wow. Gonna have to check yeah, that out. Yeah, I gotta out. hear this. I definitely gotta hear this kerplunk. Uh, and also interesting to note that since we're talking about eight tracks in the car, the 1966 Ford Mustang was the first car uh, that had, you know, a factory setting eight track in its, in its uh, dash player there. So the uh, 1966. My grandpa had Ford that car. Mustang. Really? 1966? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's earlier than I would have thought. Yeah. That's fantastic. There you go. Well, they were sick of trying to stuff a record player under the dashboard of the that Mustang. That got tough. The needle would always skip. Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, it took, it, too much, it took too much space away from the turbo. <laughs> okay, so let's see here. Question number three under the category alcohol. The U.S. military is the largest buyer of what American distilleries single barrel whiskey? Three minutes on the clock. The U.S. military is the largest buyer of what American distilleries single barrel whiskey? I can name an American distillery. <laughs> if it's if it's if it's uh, one that's famous enough for Kelly to name, it's probably the right answer. Is Jack yeah, Daniels a distillery? Yeah, I mean that's like is. that's that's Americana, also, isn't it? Like, could could they possibly have purchased a, a different one? No, I'm fairly I, certain that's the answer. I I want you to know that as soon as you said those words, Kelly, I immediately have a headache. Just from hearing my voice, or because of no, that? no, just from hearing the name of that of that alcohol, it has conjured into existence the the ghosts of many hangovers. Past. I've had many a good time and many a bad time when hanging out with Jack Daniels. I've had a mix. The, of the question show. is how many how many bad times started out as good times, and Jack really pushed him over the yeah. edge. <laughs> right. So the only the only other thing that I could possibly think that it is would be Jim Beam, but I think that that's technically that's classified bourbon. as a bourbon. So yeah. so. But that's the only other thing that, you know, is of that level. It's, it's um, absolutely got to be Jack Daniels, um, the amount feel, that they buy, um, I also that they feel produce. like... Can I ask, why is the American military culture? buying Jack Daniels? What are they doing you sure with as it? hell don't want to deprive grunts of, of liquor. That's, is, that's a, yeah. that's a recipe for disaster. Is the military really providing alcohol to... Well, that's been a tradition for, the, for hundreds of years. You know, the British, uh, the British Navy... You know, has would never go to war without significant quantities of rum. That's how they. That's how you keep control over the over the rank and file by because then you can say, "Oh, you did bad thing. No liquor for you today, sir." Is this really how our military is run? And I'm just unaware. Haven't, haven't you? This is one of the things that uh, that that military movies will add as a detail to enhance realism. If you if you watch a military movie when they're kicking around camp, you know, not a battle, but they're just kind of sitting around barbecuing right. and whatnot. They'll have beer and liquor and and all kinds of things. Um, and I feel in like shop. in those popular representations, I do vaguely recall some images of Jack Daniels specifically. Yeah, last call. Yeah, it's a distinctive label, right? Black and white. So I, I right. it's got to be Jack Daniels. There's no there's no other distillery in in the U.S. that is as, as iconic and as well known. And there's no way and the hey, military doesn't go with I what's iconic and well known. Well, let's go three points for um, Mr. Daniels. Okay, Jack Gr- Grizzly Jack Daniels. Now we're getting. Getting all mixed up. Alcohol, the category, the question, the U.S. military is the largest 
largest buyer of what American distillery's single barrel whiskey? You guys say Jack Daniels, and the answer, Jack Daniels. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you well guys, done, Kelly. You mentioned uh, Jim Beam. Omen and I are too hungover to have gotten that without your help. <laughs> yeah, you, did, so. you definitely needed the, the uh, teetotaler on that one. Um, no, but look, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam is the other one that's definitely like by far and away the highest selling bourbon, whiskey, whatever it may be. But I guess uh, Evan Williams and Maker's Mark also sell a decent amount. But yeah, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam are by far I and away the big ones. I don't even know what those are. Delicious is what they are, Kelly. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not where I was going with that, but they're Thank the you. devil's temptation, Kelly, and, and you're, you're better off without them. I, I agree wholeheartedly on all fronts. Stay Owen. thy tongue, Omen. Stay thy tongue. <laughs> now it's time for today's bonus question. The rules for the bonus question are a bit different, so here's what we have in store. The answer to the bonus question is in the form of a number, and the players probably won't know the exact answer to that question, but that's okay. The idea is for them to give their best guess. At live Last Call Trivia shows, the top 50% of teams that get the closest to the exact answer win one bonus point. So since our trivia team isn't playing against anyone else today, the writing team has set a predetermined range that their answer, a number, must fall between for them to get the point for the bonus question. All right, here it is. What year was the Jack Daniels distillery officially established, making it the very first registered distillery within the U.S.? Three minutes okay, on the clock. hold on. Before before we answer that, can I tell you what I thought the question was going to be? And I was so excited. I was sure. I was a hundred percent sure in my head that the question was going to be how many copies of the Fleetwood Mac album were sold on eight track <laughs> in nineteen eighty eight. I was so excited, and then it just it just went in a completely uh, different direction. Sorry to let you down so, on that one, but instead, it's what year. <laughs> Was the Jack Daniel Distillery officially? Maybe it's the same number, and that's the coincidence. Hey, maybe that would be, I think, a d- disaster for Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> um, I so I, you know, the Jack Daniel's bottle is so iconic, and it has been made into T-shirts and posters, and you see that image everywhere, especially if you lived in Chicago during the hipster years. And so I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to like use my photographic memory that I wish that I had. And, like, conjure to my mind the image of that label, because I think the date is actually on the label. It's incorporated prominently. Very sure that you're right. Yep. Um, The number that came to my mind, which I think is wrong, is 1866. But that seems too late. That seems really late. It does. If it's going to be America. Did did James say America's oldest distillery? Yep. Well, it's got to be way before 18... The first registered. Or whatever you said. The first registered in the U.S. And that's the thing. There could have it could be later than we think because back in the day, you know, in America, people just sort of did things, and then much later on, the government was like, "Oh, no, maybe we should you have, know what, though? have people register." But back in the things. day, even before the American Revolution, I mean, there was the whiskey tax. There was all, there were all of these regulations on alcohol. So I'm thinking that this idea that you're going to have a distillery and not register it as late as 1866 is. I mean, honestly, the first number that came to my head, and this is ridiculous, I have no foundation for this, and I've never seen this label with this year that you're mentioning, was like 1747. I mean, it was something... Well, that's that so, was before America was a country. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, here's, here's a, a ticking omen's favor. That's so, why so it was the oldest. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that it's in, in the mid to late 1800s, and um, there, mm. there, was a, there was an in-depth article, and I can't remember if it was in the Atlantic or NPR, but one of the, one of the big... It was, it was a rag that you wouldn't necessarily expect this story out of, did a deep dive into the history of Jack Daniels, and it turns out to have a connection to a freed slave. 
So um, you oh, last you call. have to account for for that. So I would actually go with 1866 um, right, as, be, as our be, guess. It'd be post Civil War, just just post Civil War, right, right in that era. Right, Kelly, if you will if you will permit it, I will. I would like to front 1866. Oh man. Uh, let's just be clear for the future. On any question related to alcohol, I defer to your knowledge, your depth and breadth of knowledge. Don't forget speak. direct experience. <laughs> you could all speak more quietly. I just need to put sunglasses on. All right, let's go 1866. All right, guys, the bonus question. What year was the Jack Daniels Distillery officially established, making it the very first registered distillery within the U.S.? And again, you guys have to get within a range here. You guys said 1866. The exact Exact answer, 1866. <gasps> wow. Wow. So I guess Owen. you do have a photogra- uh, photographic memory, I'm my impressed. friend. I'm impressed. I am, I don't know how to feel about that. I, <laughs> I'm concerned, but impressed. Yeah, I wish I could give that's, you more than one amazing. point. I wish I could give you more yep. than one point for nailing it on the head like that. But that's exactly what wow. you guys will get. The one, the one. And coincidentally, point. 1866, also the number of Fleetwood Mac albums sold in 1988. <laughs> on eight track. On eight track. Okay. Yes, which is why it was the demise they, they of did, America's they did greatest fine musical on cassette, format. They did fine on CD, but they just weren't, they weren't doing well on a. Uh, Eight track. So, okay, so let's move on to round number two. The questions in the second round will be themed to a specific topic. So, today's theme is the 90s. And in this round, oh. the point wager options have updated to either two, five, or seven points. So, just like the first round, our team can only use each wager once per round, but they do have some higher options to work with here in round number two. The categories for round number two, again, with the theme 90s, are television advertising, and movies. So the first question, television. First question around two. On whose late night show did Governor Bill Clinton famously play the saxophone in June of 1992, shortly before being elected president? Three minutes on the clock here. The question, it was 1992 in June. Whose late night show did Governor Bill Clinton famously play the saxophone on? I th- um, think in I remember this. In 1992, uh, we didn't have a television yet, so... Uh, Wait, I why? S- well, because uh, we lived in the woods. Are you serious or are you joking? I would never joke about that. No, we. I mean, we didn't We didn't really have... Yeah, we didn't have TV. Wow. That's fantastic. What, I didn't have cable, I, but I had television. Yeah, I was going to say, even like no rabbit ears? Like no rabbit ear TV? Mm-hmm. We had, we had a, a device on which we could play VHSs, but it didn't get any incoming signals. Yeah. That's signal fantastic. Uh, well, yeah. I believe that... I whittled that, a lot of sticks for my That's right. We do know about the whittled sticks. That's okay. And that's what children should do, rather than that watch is what children David Letterman exactly. on television at 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. But DJ, what... Well, I know you were. It wasn't were David wolfing. Letterman. I was. I was given the woo 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 because that's the is that show Arsenio that, Hall? That was Arsenio Hall. You got it right. Yeah. So this was oh. this was a very famous moment, um, and, and it led to kind of an interesting bit of of nomenclature around Bill Clinton. He was he was jokingly referred to as the first black president, and it was in part right. because of his appearance on on Arsenio's show and and his uh, cool factor of um, of playing the saxophone I and playing it well. Yeah, that was the thing. He was he was sort of he's sort of known for being actually proficient on the instrument. Mm-hmm. He could he could have been a, a studio musician with his his skills if wow. he had, if that that had been his focus. I, I think he really this is still out. a possibility. There's time. Never say never. Um, so it sounds like we're going Arsenio Hall. How confident do we feel on this? Uh, I would yeah. I would wager the uh, the other two categories feel like they're going to have more broad appeal to the three of us rather than than 
you know, just Kelly and I. So let's let's wager <laughs> wager two on this one and hope that really? Owen can step in to to hook okay. us up on the others. Okay. So you yeah, let's you want to wager two on this. this one. Yeah. Okay. So the question on whose late night show did Governor Bill Clinton famously play the saxophone in June of nineteen ninety two, shortly before being elected president? You guys say Arsenio Hall, and the answer, the Arsenio Hall Show. So you get that right for two points. Who runs? Nicely done. You know, I want to say I'm in favor of of politicians making appearances on television shows like this, just to have. I think it should be a requirement for anyone who wants to run for president to demonstrate their musical proficiency on some instrument. Well, it doesn't even have to be musical proficiency, but it just has to be like humanity. Like aside from just standing that, there and giving a written speech, like how, how are you as a person? So, you know, regardless of what you think about Sarah Palin, I will say, I think the best thing Sarah Palin ever did was make an appearance on The Masked Singer. I don't know if you guys watched that or if you saw it. She did? She was a contestant on The Masked Singer. Wow. Did and she it was, sing? Yes, she sang. How's her voice? In a is bear it right? costume. It, it doesn't, that's not the point. The point oh. is that <laughs> oh, she was, you know, for the first time, like a likable human that was completely relatable and enjoyable. And it, it showed a completely different side of her that no one has ever seen. And I'm Does like, that this, show do should, well? Does that is that show like a good like? Do they get ratings on that show? Like people seem to like the masked. Center. I think it's very successful. Um, and you know, honestly, it's it's my guilty pleasure. I can I can admit it is. You do see a different side of people, and, and you know, and no one was expecting Sarah Palin obviously to do this, but it was. It was a fantastic... I don't know that she was making a PR move, but if she was, it was the best one she ever made. Interesting. (laughs) Well, um, you may be interested to know that when the Arsenio Hall show was eventually canceled, the Jon Stewart show came over from MTV and became a briefly... A uh, brief syndicated show for a while before, you know, his more successful daily show days, obviously. You know why I thought the Arsenio Hall show was canceled? Why? Appearance by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, well... They tried to push their 8-track, and they were like, get out of here. Just get out. No one cares about the 8-track. All right, so there we go. From that question on television, we move to advertising. So, team, what famous actress played commercial character Ava Save-A-Lot, who was on a quest to save people money by using 1-800-COLLECT? Three minutes on the clock. (laughs) Oh man, one eight hundred collect. These famous actresses were crazy. Played commercial. I don't even character. know what one eight hundred collect is. You don't remember the one eight hundred collect days? Oh, that was the jam. So back in the before times, before cell phones were ubiquitous, uh, like you know, forget pre-smartphone. We're talking pre-regular cell phones. Cell phones were bricks, right? They were those massive beige things. The hip thing right. was to use a collect calling service like one eight hundred collect, and there was another one that competed directly with it, and it was only. 10 cents a minute so you could call someone and they had to pay for the call um was that but the, it was, was super that, easy to use was this a commercial i remember a commercial where you know somebody would be calling maybe this is a later commercial somebody would call and try to give all of the information that they were trying to give in yep. the in the the name and so there's the one of like oh, oh you have a you have a call from we had a baby it's a boy yes yes, yes. and it'd be like oh no is that what accept. this is is this it's the same this commercial? Is, yeah, the, these commercials, that was definitely a, a 1-800-Collect commercial. So who would have been the famous actress who would have portrayed a character, a- Ava Perone saves a lot in these, <laughs> in these commercials? I um, want to say it was Kirstie Alley, but I'm not... 
I'm not confident in that answer. Um, Wait, was there a year in the question or no? We 90s. we know the theme. We know the overall theme for this round is the '90s. Okay, but I'll read it again. Uh, what famous actress played commercial character Ava Save-A-Lot, who was on a quest to save people money by using 1-800-COLLECT? Why so do you think it's th- Kirstie Alley? Because I have this really vivid image of the mom from Look Who's Talking um, pitching 1-800-COLLECT. But, but she also did Jenny Craig, so now I'm, I'm like, I, I could be misremembering, and it's, it's the Jenny Craig commercials that I'm thinking of. All right, what other popular 90s actresses could you know could it conceivably be Roseanne Barr ooh that's yeah. a good one what about um what about the one who was in Pretty Woman Julia Roberts Julia Roberts probably she wouldn't do her. a commercial for 1-800-COLLECT no. she was too busy <laughs> no it wasn't it wasn't like a, I mean I'm picturing I, I some kind of like sitcom a, person yeah I, right, that's why right, and that's right. the other reason I thought Kirstie Alley because she was on Cheers last call um last call here well, DJ, if Let, this is what you remember, I would go with it because any other guess that we come up with is, you know, we've not. I, D, Omen didn't have a television, and I didn't know people were making collect calls. So this is all on you. <laughs> it's, it's I, a very I don't know specific if I can, week. I don't know if I can handle this pressure. I, I, Let's do it. Let's go, Cristielli. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad five, we saved our bigger point wager, not for our city hall, but for <laughs> interesting note, collect. Kelly. I, I plan on bringing that up later because that was an interesting <laughs> strategic decision. I feel um, so. All right, here we go. Advertising. What famous actress played commercial character Ava Savalot, who was on a quest to save people money by using one eight hundred collect? And you guys said uh, Kirstie Alley. The answer, yeah. Alyssa Milano. What? Mm. Alyssa Milano. Yeah, that's okay. right. Um, and that's funny because I also don't know who that is from uh, Who's the Boss. She was the boss. star of Who's, Who's the, the Boss. boss. Yeah. She was the daughter on Who's the Boss. Um, and then she was also on that show about like the Charmed. Yeah, witches. Was she on Charmed. Charmed. Yeah. The witches. Um, but yep. yeah, her her tagline as Ava Save a Lot was Save a Buck or Two. Save a buck or two. And oh, I do vaguely and, remember and that. And part of like the, the grab was like, you know, she's an attractive young woman. So like guys would go to like use 1-800-COLLECT because they knew she was going to show up and be like, you know, are you are you saving money by doing this? Da, 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 da. And uh, Now, hold on. But when she says saving money, no one's saving money. You're just making someone else pay for it. That's not they saving were money. 1-800-COLLECT was cheaper than the other collect calling services at the time. And like long distance, So it was distance, a flat I rate, guess. 10 cents a minute. Yeah. Oh, so it's save money as compared to other yes, services, right. not save money simply because you're Correct. forcing someone else to pay your bill. Right. Correct. Correct. And yeah. uh, DJ, you referred to the competitor. I think you were talking about 1-800-CALL-ATT. Thank you. That is exactly who I was thinking oh. of. And maybe that's who Kirstie Alley was Alley. pitching. Kirstie <laughs> Alley versus been. Alyssa Milano. And, uh, to the death. And, and uh, it is fun to think about those times because I would use that technique. Like if I wanted to get picked up from somewhere, I would call home and be like, Mom, I'm at football practice. Bye. And that would be like my name on the call. So she didn't have to accept the call. She would just say, nope. And she knew that I was calling to say, you know, wow. I, I was gaming the system, as they say. I was going to say, James, are you admitting to like a felony right now? <laughs> t- t- to telephone fraud Hopefully over the, the statute of limitations have expired. Exactly. I'm trying. Youthful indiscretions. You, I was going to say, you hope the statute of limitations has expired. Hope. There's some weird like Federal Communications Commission law regarding Look, the illegal use of telephones. If that's how I get we, canceled as the host of this show, it'll be very 2021. I'll say that much. <laughs> Kelly, we you you better wish that the FBI is listening to our podcast. When we make it that big, we'll know. We'll know that we're on. <laughs> oh, the the Are you kidding me, Omen? I have it on good authority. They play us in the lunchroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're the talk Aquatico these days. All right, uh, movies. 
Inspired by a real-life infomercial abomination, the personal haircut vacuum product, Suck Cut, appears in what popular 90s film? We'll put three minutes on the clock for the team. So presumably they're, they're making fun of the, the Floby? Is that what they're... I, I believe that's true. Inspired by a real-life infomercial abomination, the personal haircut vacuum product, Suck Cut, appears in what popular 90s film? So I want to. Oh s- boy! Do you remember who's the actress that plays the mom in Edward Scissorhands? She oh. she goes to doesn't she go to like an infomercial? Isn't there a scene where she's like in the studio audience for an infomercial? Isn't that like part of how they set in, up the whole suburban hell that she lives in? In Edward Scissorhands? Yeah. So I'm going to oh. admit that I've never seen Edward Scissorhands. So oh, Kelly, that's a classic. I, we, I have no We doubt. should have bet seven points on Arsenio Hall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we should have. I wanted have. to say that at the time. Considering yeah. two of the three of us actually like saw the episode, I feel... But, you know, hindsight is um, 2020, but... No, no, uh, it's 1990s in this case. Oh, shoot. Okay. If you're remembering a scene from Edward Scissorhands, then go with it, because I don't remember well, any scene that involves a Floby. I think that also, I don't know what a Floby is, but also it sounds, I mean, that is a popular movie in the 90s. Can and we describe it has to the do... Floby? Because I want a video of Omen using the Floby. Please describe it to me. <laughs> you're never going to use it's... it. If we tell you, you're going to think we're joking and we're not. It's literally a vacuum cleaner. Like, I think you use your own vacuum. You can, and you... or they, they come, there's a model that's integrated. You, uh, of course, DJ knows the, the, the specifications of all of the, the Floby options. You attach to your vacuum cleaner, essentially like a rotating razor blade thing. With it's a, a set of hair clippers. Sure. With an adjustable you, guard. So let's say you put it on for you, it would be like four or five inches. And you're like, and so you're cutting your hair as your vacuum cleaner is sucking away the detritus. And... Saving, it's like 1-800-COLLECT. You're saving money against the competitor by doing it at home. When I was a child, my father gave me buzz cuts on the porch and gave me the same haircut every single time, no matter what I asked for. And then uh, the birds would come and take my hair and build it into nests. Do you want to know why my hair is is this long? I'm demonstrating now the length. It's because when I was a child, my father took a bowl and put it on my head and cut around it in a circle. Last call. And this sin <laughs> has never been forgotten. Last call. Well, everything our- about Kelly has suddenly fallen into place. There was one missing piece that I needed. James, and now you had a nice, you had a nice like pumpkin bowl haircut, right? Like kind of like there's a- no nice about it, James. <laughs> James, if the topic ha- during the '90s had been childhood trauma, we would have aced <laughs> that. Very man, I think. Yes. I think Sorry, in this case, men, all- but amen. All we can do is go with Edward Scissorhands. It's the only thing that I'm fairly sure that there's a scene where they cut his hair with this device, and it's it's why would he not cut his hair with his own hands? That's part of the that's part of the setup. Oh, is that the plot? Have I figured out the whole movie? There's a big piece of the setup. So all right, perfect. That's my guess. Let's go with Edward Scissorhands. Okay, that's what we will do. So the question, inspired by a real-life infomercial abomination, the personal haircut vacuum product, Suck Cut, appears in what popular 90s film? You guys said Edward Scissorhands. The answer, Wayne's World. Uh, uh, Wayne's World. Shucks. So, all right, let's move past that Swing one. Swing and miss. We'll go to the final question of the game. 
This is a multi-part question. It's also the only question today that our team can lose points on. The trivia team can decide to wager either five points or zero points on this final question, but they have to get every part of the final correct in order to earn points. If they miss any portion of the final, they lose whatever they wagered. Since it's a multi-part question, I'll give them five minutes to decide on their answer. Okay, guys, the final is under the category video games. Place the following video game systems in order of the North American release date. From earliest, oh. earliest to most recent. <laughs> okay? The following video game systems, their North American release date from earliest to most recent. And here are the video game systems. Atari Jaguar, Nintendo 64, Sega Dreamcast, Xbox. I would one like our time, viewers at home, one more time, I guess James. they're listeners, I want our listeners at home to know that throughout this entire question, DJ has been doing this strange but enchanting like cobra dance, <laughs> which I'm sure indicates that he knows every video game platform ever released, but I, I really wish everyone could experience the cobra dance because it's it's alluring, charming, and frightening is, all at the same time. And, I, it's and there's hypnotic a little bit of meerkat mixed in. Yeah, there's, there's some teeth. <laughs> coming out there's teeth involved it's it's a little bit of a hop and a, and a move and a groove it's interesting kelly I, I like your description of it for the audience at home i want everyone to know i'm i've been perfectly still this entire time so, <laughs> so james just to review we have the atari jaguar the the what nintendo else? 64 nintendo 64 sega dreamcast xbox and by that i'm i'm they're gonna it means the original xbox because it doesn't have a number associated with correct. it. correct so uh fun fact um i used to work <laughs> at pacific science center here in seattle and um they would do this partnership with cbs every year during the run-up to the holiday season called toy toy test and kids would come in and actually test out the various toys and, and give their it was a market research thing right but they would televise it they would put it on the local cbs station and a gentleman named Herb Weisbaum would go around and interview all the kids and ask them what they thought. Well, they started doing oh, that wow. with video games. And so I met a number of reps from Sega and Sony and, um, and some of the video game publishers when I was 16, 17. And it was, it was amazing. And one of the Sega reps hooked me up with a free Dreamcast that I still what? have to this Whoa. day. And the Dreamcast was a very famous flop. In fact, it was the last hardware that was produced directly by Sega. And uh, it, it launched by surprise with no announcement on nine nine ninety nine. You know, and they shouldn't, the they shouldn't last... have released the Fleetwood Mac game. That's uh, just that. what I was going to say, Omen. <laughs> you know what the first Stole game the they released on the Dreamcast? Mouth. It was the central theme was beating a dead horse. Oh, my God. So wrong. See, Omen didn't even get it. I got it and disapproved. Omen was just like, I'm over it. So here's the thing that I'm confused about. I, based on these, based on my more limited knowledge about gaming systems, although I did play video games at my friend's house, it feels like they were almost given in their order of release. I mean, I, in my mind, the Atari was very early on. The Atari Jaguar was not the Atari. It was a modern system. Oh, yeah. so we're thinking little, of the 6400 or the 2600 or the whatever it was. Yeah. So and, and Nintendo 64, which came out in 19 in Japan in 96 in the U.S. in 97. Um, OK. And I'm pretty sure that the, the Jaguar came came out uh, immediately after that. It was so it was a more case, advanced system. It was like it was similar to the PlayStation. It competed directly with the PS1. So in that case, mm-hmm. Nintendo 64 would be first and then and then Atari and then Dreamcatcher. 
Dreamcast. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm and sorry. Then, and then Xbox, which launched in 2000, uh, 2001. Yes. So it sounds like what we're saying, Nintendo 64, Atari, Dreamcast by Sega. Dreamcast, yes. Uh, and then the X-Crate. You guys want to put it in? I mean, hang on, I, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I now... And also think about I think think about the wager also. Give the wager some thought. Yeah. I remember I remember playing I had a friend who always had the most recent gaming systems and I remember going and uh, and playing all like the street fighting games like Street Fighter and he would always get mad because my technique because I only played games, you know, video games like once or t- once a week whenever I would go to over to his house. I would just button mash and um, that was the only way I knew how to play. Uh, and sometimes I would win. It would really, really make him, him mad because he obviously was you know, a trained <laughs> expert at these games. DJ, we've I, got, what, we've what's got happening to in your brain? The, the, Jag, the Jaguar came out after the Dreamcast. I, I remember they advertised in response to the Dream. They had like an ad war with Sega. So was it, it Kirstie Alley and Alyssa Milano, <laughs> like one for each game platform? Last no, but, call. But we, we, yeah, it's, it's N64... Dreamcast Jaguar Xbox. I trust DJ's authority on video games, and I think we need to make up for our Wayne's World Arsenio Hall fiasco. So I think we got to like go whole hog on this. Let's do it. Okay, so you guys are going to go for the five points, and you, you have your order picked out here. So again, the question was. Place these video game systems in order of their North American release date from earliest to most recent. And the way I gave them to you was Atari Jaguar, Nintendo 64, Sega Dreamcast, and Xbox. And you guys said, your order, Nintendo 64, Sega Dreamcast, Atari Jaguar, and Xbox. That's not correct. Believe it or not, the order that I originally read it out in were the actual release dates it goes what? atari jaguar 1993 nintendo 64 1996 dreamcast 99 as you said xbox 2001 so that jaguar was really what threw it all off and i didn't even think it was that old to be honest with you i was surprised by the 1993 what? so what am i thinking of the the through was it playstation that was throwing shade at uh, oh, playstation came out right around that time and they were both it was top the loader ps2 discs. Ah, wow. Because so I just want to point out that because Jaguar that was cartridges. Got it Omen, right. Omen, we know that you said it was it was the order that he said it yep, in was Omen correct. Omen had it right. Wow. It'll never happen that again. That did not escape me. My attention. I, I knew you, that you had it right all along. I just wanted to make uh, DJ feel better by going well, with yeah, his answer. It, it's it's so comforting when I'm leading you straight toward the cliff that you give me so much encouragement. Well, it was the Cobra Dance that, that really, the, I was entranced by the Cobra Dance. You, that's I, what I, threw it all off. I, the irony is that was completely unrelated. I was just so excited that we got a chance to talk about video games. <laughs> that Cobra Dance, that Cobra Dance was for the Sega Dreamcast launch trivia that I, that I shared. I was so excited. There about you go. That. Well, you know what? We can, we can, uh, we can resolve this with a, with a, a death, a, a lightning round of Mario Kart later on. Very today. nice. I'm in. What? I'm, or, or Super Smash Brothers. How about that? On N64. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, look, our team, uh, their final score today was eight out of a total possible 30 <laughs> points. So our worst <laughs> score by far. Is that, 
See, the studio cat suddenly appears in The studio uh, cat always likes the... Objection. Yeah, see? But see, the I, studio cat is embarrassed for I us. I think it's important that you guys take little lessons. I always say this to myself when I lose my fantasy football games every week. I say, okay, I'm going to try to learn from what I did wrong here. So sure. I think you guys could have definitely bet the whole hog on the Arsenio Hall question because it seemed I like DJ I think next time we will... Definitely not. Uh, yeah, I think we'll definitely do that. All right. Well, look, thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share today's episode. And if you're looking for more trivia fun, head over to lastcalltrivia.com to check out our live shows, private events, trivia card game, and more. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Last Call Trivia Podcast. Until then, stay curious. <laughs>